you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sam here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Phone Podcast. Uh, if you have been listening to the Tuesday series, Justin Keller, who is the VP of Marketing at Sixter, has been running this phenomenal series called ABM for Humans. His own company's transformation was in the very first episode where they went from no ABM to award winning. And last time they had Shruti from Sandoso sharing their story of how do we go from very much of a digital company to, to humans. Because at the end of the day, if you're in B2B, chances are you're selling to humans. So with that being the backdrop, Justin, welcome to the show. And who are you going to interview for this one? Thank you, Sangram. So today I really wanted to run a podcast called A Tale of Two ABM Programs. And so I sat down with Jess Engel, who's a Sixers team and runs our ABM and demand gen program. And I want to sit down and have a conversation with her and Bree Gall, who's ABM marketer for Snowflake, who's about a 50,000 person company, and talk about the, the differences and similarities between our two ABM programs. And it turns out they're pretty similar, especially in how they align their sales team to their accounts. Like they work very hard on creating a human relationship between AE and account, just like we do. And it's really interesting to hear how they do it at such a vastly different scale. I love that, man. I think a lot of people think that, hey, look, ABM is for either large companies or high growth companies and not for them. And then there are a lot of myths around who it is for. So I think this episode is going to distill it down that, look, regardless of your size of the company, if you know your target audience, if you know the list of accounts and the people that you want to go after, ABM is for you. You just have to figure out the right way to do it. So this is going to be the more of the nuts and bolts of how to do it, regardless of the scale of your company. So Justin, thank you for doing it, man. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Justin Keller back again. I'm here with Jess Engel and Bree Gall from Sixter and Snowflake, respectively. Hello, guys. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Hi, I'm Jess Engel. I'm the demand gen manager here at Sixter. And yeah, that's me. Bree. Hi, I'm Bree. I'm on the account-based marketing team at Snowflake. And uh, yeah, I've been at Snowflake for like almost a year and a half, I think. And we've grown a lot, so it's been crazy, but you have. You guys, if you don't know, Snowflake is running one of the most badass ABM programs in the world. In fact, you know what? Both both the people we're talking to right now are award-winning ABM marketers and also work at very different companies. So Sixter, we've got about 60, 65 employees, somewhere in there. Snowflake has, I don't know, how many employees do you guys have, Bree? We're upwards of 1,000 now. Oh, yeah. And, and let's talk about how your, your, your teams, your marketing teams are structured and how that, like, or especially your, your ABM focused team is. Yeah, sure. So our team at Sigster, we affectionately dubbed Marketing Island, consists of myself in the demand general. And then we've got a content marketing manager and a product and customer marketing manager. And we are all wrangled by Justin. Uh, maybe you've heard of him, our VP of marketing. And yeah, we obviously work closely with sales with our ABM program. But yeah, that's us. Awesome. What about you, Brie? Quite different. Yeah. So our marketing team is, I think we're like past 50 now. I mean, it's, it's crazy every year there's somebody new, but the ABM team specifically is going to be six people, no, seven people the next week. We have somebody starting. So we really like 
you know, we try to work really collaboratively with marketing and sales and kind of sit between the two business orgs. But yeah, we have a, we have some pretty strong alignment. That's really nice to feel like you're a part of multiple teams. That is, yeah, that's great. And I think I really wanted to highlight like how different size our companies are. And no matter where I go or who I talk to, I feel like marketing teams' challenges are usually pretty much the same, regardless of size. So I really want to spend some time talking to you guys about the similarities and differences of marketing teams, of our ABM programs, how we, how we go to market, how we work with our you know, disparate teams between sales and NCS and all that stuff. So maybe, Bree, can you give us a 100-mile-an-hour like view of kind of your ABM program, like kind of the playbook or the way you guys run things? Yeah. So the way that I typically describe it is like we, my team and I work territorially with the sales representatives to target their top 10 accounts one-to-one. So they pick 10 accounts that we help them to market towards. And we work with the rest of the marketing team to really make sure that the experience that those 10 accounts are always having is top-notch. You know, we really try and understand from the sales side, like what they know about the account, because at the end of the day, they know that account better than anyone or they should. And so we really like try and pick their brain to really get to the root of what makes it all tick. So um, yeah, you know, we we do a lot of other different stuff and um, obviously use a great tool called Sixture to help us along the way. <laughs> and then, I, okay, so I love that because that sounds, it sounds very familiar, right, Jess? Very familiar. I was just going to say ditto, but <laughs> break it out a little differently. But yeah, basically we do the same thing. Um, we pull an ABM list based on basically, you know, what we know is our ideal customer profile. And then we basically segment that list into tiers. We have three tiers. And like you, Bree, we just assign AEs to uh, 10 of the top tier accounts based on region. Same thing. We recently even upped it to, to 15 just based on performance. And then on the, the bottom two tiers, we just nurture those with a number of different marketing campaigns. So Terminus ads or personal six-year campaigns or direct mail or whatnot. So same process, pretty much. Yeah. And I like that you sit down, Brie, and we do the same thing to sit down with the AE and really understand a lot about the account, right? And we kind of, we here take a very human approach to our ABM. Like we, we call it ABM, but really we're trying to focus on the humans in the account. But it all comes down to data, right? Like data is either very, it's either a marketer's favorite thing in the world or the like the most awful thing possible. <laughs> um, there's tons of data available to all of us if the price is right. What to you, Bree, is the most important data that, you know, that powers your ABM program? So what we really focus on is just how engaged the account is with Snowflake. So we use Engageo to track engagement minutes. And we tend to like just look at overview of like who's engaging, what they're engaging with, and how can we better their experience. And so looking through like the engagement minutes of what they're actually interacting with and you know, what they're finding more value from, and then taking that back to the sales team and just, you know, working with them to really try and like fine tune how we can work together to make sure that the approach is like one tier, it was one approach, like it's one message that we're trying to get to the that, you know, they're aligned with what we, what they think that we should be saying. And um, so it definitely Engageo and engagement minutes is one of the biggest data points that we really measure ourselves on and like use to help us like just develop. That's so, am I correct in kind of saying that the data that really unites your sales and marketing team is what's most important to you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, which is great. So that's my exact next question. Um, talking about sales and marketing alignment, but Jess, what about you? Like, what do you think our most important data is? 
So going second, I feel like I just have to, <laughs> I'm not copying you, but it's nice to see we're aligned also marketing and marketing alignment. So that's good. So I was also going to say engagement data, because again, just understanding which of our ABM campaigns have led to opportunities, again, based on engagement. So if we're not seeing those opportunities, understanding why, and we do it maybe a little bit more based on campaigns or using our six-year relationship score to understand that. But I'm looking a lot just to see like, okay, if, if we're, we have unengaged contacts, how can we target those more to push them to opportunity? So again, I think same thing, but engagement is really key in this and glad to see we're, we're, we're not alone in that. So yeah. yeah. See, and this is what I like is at the heart of the whole conversation I wanted to have with you guys. You guys, I mean, wildly different companies, different market segments, but kind of, you know, there's a lot of the same tactics that just work. Mm -hmm. And I think we both kind of either, you know, on purpose, I don't know if we copied you or not. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, the tactics are the same. So, and I think one of the most crucial things to making the Looney Band program successful is the sales and marketing alignment. And you touched on that free with kind of sharing engagement data. We do a little bit of that too. And we do a little more to help our, our SDR team prioritize, but like, Sharing that engagement, what does it look like when you sit down with your sales team and you're like, here's the engagement we've got from these accounts and like, how, how, what, what happens from there? So, you know, we really like to talk through what we, the data we're gathering and then look at it from their perspective, because we have a few different things, we, like engagement. And then we've also worked with EverString to pull in like models and stuff like that. So we combine all of those things to show them a marketing account fit score that helps them to stack rank their accounts and really understand where to focus like that extra few minutes of prospecting they might have during their day. So like when I bring this stuff to them, it's always more of a like, look, this is what I'm seeing from the data. Does this make sense to you? Why not? What What's happening? What are you seeing? And kind of combining the two realities to really find like the truth, because I think data is awesome. And it's like a good place to start, especially and point you in the right direction. But it's also really helpful to like hear from like person to person, you know, like what are the sales team actually learning from the meetings they're having? And is that being reflected accurately? Is that not like how, you know, what maybe are we missing? So it's usually a lot of a conversation between us to kind of figure out, to learn from each other and, you know, use the learnings to help us make the programs even better that we're trying to target them with. I love that. And I think like one of the things I've, and just you tell me if you disagree. I think one of the hardest things we've come across as we've grown our ABM program is sales and marketing alignment. Like it's, I don't think anyone's ever gotten it right. And we're getting, I think we're actually doing pretty great lately. But just like from your perspective, like how, what do we do right when it comes to sales and marketing? Again, it's the same in a way, but and it might sound cliche, but I know it's just communication. So meeting weekly to check in on how the program's going. I think that's key can't just live in marketing island. It has to. It only works with sales and marketing, like both talking and that's key. So again, anything that I can do to give them insight, whether it's showing them engagement from Terminus side of things, showing like talking about the campaigns that are working, whether that's, oh, swags, that's really nailing it this time or anything that we can give them. And obviously like hearing from sales, like if there's something else that, you know, marketing could be like turning the dial up on certain things. It's just communication. And I think we've got, we have gotten so much better. I think, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but starting off with ABM, it's like sometimes you don't know who has what and who's responsible for what. So now I think it's just, it's practice. And we've gotten better at just knowing like, hey, we need to talk about it and it's not so scary. And 
it's definitely gotten easier. So yeah. I feel like the more you talk, the more everyone realizes that you're on the same team and that, you know, you're trying to align and that it's not like a battle of, I think I think that's one of the most transformative things that we've done is now our sales dev team works accounts that were picked by marketing. So yeah, we're a hundred percent aligned, right? We're all working on the same things together, even though our day-to-day activities are pretty different. We're working towards the same same yeah. of accounts. And I think that's been like wildly helpful in, in our program. And we also have a Slack channel where mostly AEs will make requests. Mm-hmm. Like, can we get a personalized sister campaign banner? Can we send company X, you know, this or that? And it makes it really easy so that we can be nimble and reactive and responsive to the AEs and their needs. Because every account's different. Every journey is different for everyone. And so being able to be really reactive and adaptive is, is very helpful for us too. Totally. That's why I like ABM is that we get to really get in the weeds of like why... Each account is different because like the way a salesperson is going to approach an account is always going to be different. Mm-hmm. So it should, there should be a place in marketing for that. hundred percent agree. Cause we're all humans. Like that's, that's, that's the whole point here. Everyone's a little bit different, but we're all working together. Yeah. So um, Jess, I'll start with mm-hmm. you first this time. If you don't copy me, it's going to be worrisome. Okay. <laughs> so uh, at this point, we're we're hustling about 2,000 total accounts at any given time, but we started very modestly with a single account. Tell us, talk to us about, from your perspective, how our ABM program scaled in the last like 18 months. Yeah, it's been fun to see, actually. So it feels like a really long time ago, but I haven't been there that, been here that long, so it couldn't have been. <laughs> but I know that when we first started off, it felt really overwhelming and daunting, which I think is a common theme. And I remember our first campaign just taking a really long time to get out the door. So again, I know I mentioned it, but just like figuring out who's got what, like who's pulling the list and who's like targeting them with what tactic. And, and now I feel like we're, we've outlined it into a very repeatable program, which I think is key at this point. It's like, you need to be able to take this and recycle it and and turn it into a program. And so now we know how we're going to target each segment and with which marketing tactic. And it's not always perfect. I mean, like, you know, we're human. And so we might miss like, things by a couple of days, but I think now I can look whether it's on a whiteboard or I kind of understand like in a quarterly view, like what should be happening before we, you know, do sales handoff or, you know, again, just those weekly catch-ups and things along those lines. I feel like, you know, sales and marketing now understands that. And so again, now it, it took a lot of the confusion out of this. And now it just feels like, yeah, this is what we do. This is part of marketing, not something that's, you know, so foreign. So I think that's how, you know, again, we, I'm sure we will continue to refine it and like, it's not done. Like we're definitely not like, and it's perfect because nothing ever is, but I feel like at least we've gotten it to a place where we can just build on it and keep making it better and find again, more data points and more things to look at. I totally agree with that. What about you, Bree? Like you guys, I don't want to step on your toes here, but you guys are so good at kind of cracking open opportunities that you actually, like your team is responsible for sales headcount forecasting, right? Yeah. The models that I was talking about earlier actually have impacted hiring and how the sales team has grown this quickly because, you know, we've got, we've been able to uncover and show leadership that like there's all these opportunities elsewhere. Daniel, my boss, has worked really hard hard to pull all those things together into Salesforce and just kind of make it easy for everyone to understand. But for scaling, I mean, we still, like I personally... I'm responsible for like 50 to 60 sales reps. 
Next week, that's going to go down by like 20. So we're definitely still figuring out the whole scaling thing because, you know, we really take pride in how tailored we like to make everything in the, you know, like you're, like you were talking about the person to person approach. Like we really take pride in having that in our, you know, wheelhouse. So it's kind of been about hiring to be able to support the sales org and uh, focusing on getting people in that, that see ABM how we do and want to be involved and, you know, do the work that it takes to continue to create the templates required and really just, you know, continue to fine tune how we really work with everyone on the sales and marketing teams and continue to get our, to get our space really like, you know, standardized in that right now it's a lot of fun we're figuring everything out and we're we're templatizing things we have a lot of things figured out but there's also things that we're definitely still learning like you know communicating with all of the sales org you know like every day i probably have like six six meetings one-on-one with with a sales rep and so you know finding the balance between like meeting and talking and really collaborating on ideas but also making sure i have the time to do it it's kind of where, where we're at right now. So it's definitely, it's kind of fun. You know, it's like, it's like a puzzle of like figuring out what pieces fit where and how much, how much time to spend on each thing. And it's really, it's really fun. That is awesome. There's like the challenges I experienced are just, I think we, I, hmm. we both agree when we were scaling, we wouldn't have been able to scale. Let me put it this way without team trash panda. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. No context. Panda is. <laughs> is putting out very tiny dumpster fires that happen between, again, sometimes it's sales and marketing with Salesforce fields. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know who came up with this name, but, but basically the trash pandas are just there to help with any kind of like whatever should come up with Salesforce alignment, with HubSpot, with different programs that we use. So it's just our way of making sure that things are running smoothly and everything's syncing. So we have a dedicated Slack channel to it, but I think it's been very helpful in at least keeping it humorous and light when things are going wrong and saying, okay, we need a quick little trash panda, you know, moment. Because again, like- can be mad at a panda. How can you be mad at it? (laughs) Yeah, but like, it's so important. Keeping your data clean is so important. And Jess and I were just talking about that. Like, we're really, we're proud of it now. Like before it could be a little bit like, do you trust it? And and you want to always say yes, but now I can, I'm much more confident with, with our data. And I actually, you know, when I pull reports, I can be like, yeah, I feel confident in this. And that's really important. So, so yeah, go team trust Panda. Yeah, I think that data thing was especially kind of like the sales ops marketing ops data was tough okay. for us. Is that a big thing for you at Snowflake? Because you guys have way more operations going on between your sales and your marketing teams. Like, how do you manage that in a digital? Yeah, I mean, we have data issues all the time. You know, just look like you know different Salesforce fields that are populating wrong and stuff like that. So we definitely do. We have a really nice, awesome sales ops team that that covers keeping all of those things under control and. They're really quick and fast and, and awesome. So thankfully, we haven't had too many big fires, but we're going to start using our um, Salesforce data to create custom pieces of content using artificial intelligence. So cleaning out the data right now has really been important and making sure that, you know, like what we have in Salesforce as current tech stack is accurate so that when we create those custom pieces of content, it, it is actually, you know, accurate for the account. So, you know, like we, we, t- we ch- we're definitely trying to keep the Salesforce data clean, but it's also heavy on the, on the sales org to really make sure that everyone 
you know, there's so many people now that have a hand in Salesforce that making sure nobody accidentally does something they should is, is you know, a high on mind. Yeah. Oh, totally. And if, if Sangram ever lets me come back, I want to talk to you about this AI content thing because it sounds awesome. We're getting it's close pretty cool. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds like what I want to do in the future for sure. But yeah. real quick, two quick questions as we wrap things up here. You guys have both been delightful as always. What has been your biggest account-based whoopsie? Honestly, I was trying to think about this. And the only thing I could really think of is not super exciting, but it's, Probably. um, <laughs> you know, we make all these landing pages and like they're, they're all hard-coded to be specially made for the account. And I've had a few times... Spelling is not my strong suit. <laughs> so I've had a few times that like I have misspelled a few words. Thankfully, I always get approval from the sales rep before promoting it with advertisements to our audience. So it's always getting another set of eyes that really understands the account on it. And they've caught it every time. But there have been a few close calls where I've been like about to publish it. And someone's like, wait, wait, wait. That's not how you spell like character. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so that's the constantly struggling with. So I think it kind of goes back to something I might have said earlier, which is that you know we're all human, and it, you know you want to stick to deadlines and schedules and things. Again, on this ABM timeline of events, but sometimes, you know, things just come up and life gets crazy and so forth. So the only thing I could think of is that we had a seasonal campaign and we kind of missed the deadline by, by a little bit, but I think on the, on the positive side, we use it as an opportunity, made the messaging a little bit funny and human and authentic. And so you say, you know, own up to the mistake a little bit, but say it's going to be fine. And I think you can recover from that. So I, I would say that that for me, that that's one kind of ties into the ABM thing too. Totally. I think uh, yeah. like anytime, you know, you send out like a, a mass email that's got some wrong data or a missing link. I think <laughs> are you calling me out specifically? Uh, I'm not calling you out. That's opportunity to re-engage and say like our brand is human. We messed up. Let's have fun about it. Make fun of ourselves. I think it's such like a humanizing, powerful opportunity that you don't want to come across too often. But when you get it, tackle it. Yeah. yeah. One piece from each of you, one piece of tweetable ABM. Okay. I would say right along the same lines, good segue into just keeping ABM personal and authentic. I think it's really easy to forget that ABM is just all about making that personal connection just to break through the noise and so forth. And so this is really, yeah, your chance to get creative and to reach out in a fun way and to find out like, what is that account's pain point? Who are they really? It should be the fun thing. I think that would be it. You know, I I love having creativity in marketing. And sometimes, you know, it's fun to do. Again, you can do a big pain, but this is like your chance to really figure out what might move the needle. So I think it can be more fun than sometimes it sounds. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And Bree, take a shot. Well, it's awesome. We're not going to be copying each other this time. Mine was more about make sales your best friend and really make sure that you are like aligning with them, getting buy-in from them, because for at least our program, it relies a lot on communicating and um, just making sure that we have the mutual respect for each other that, you know, we're going to support each other. And it's not, you know, it's about the business and not about one-upping or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, relationships, it's kind of similar, I guess, you know, building relationships, communicating. 100%. It's all about building relationships. Totally. 
Regal from Snowflake, Jess Engel from Sigster. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and let's do this again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.